once you're exposed to a certain level of possibility, um, once you start listening to something other than yourself, once I start listening to something other than myself, which is hilarious, which is the irony of life when I'm sitting here recording a podcast, listening to myself. This idea that I'm thinking of. <laughs> so many. I, yeah. This idea that I'm thinking about. When you're able to stop thinking about ideas. Listen to that. It, I get it. I get I get what it sounds like. But there's a part of me that really wants to give um, acknowledgement. I really want to give attention to the fact that I can be in times of deep thought where I'm thinking about an idea as much as I possibly can, trying to imagine as many you know, sides of the argument, as many perspectives. There's a time where you kind of just run out. You have no other ideas that can be generated. You haven't lived enough, I guess, life to come up with some of the ideas or some of the perspectives that you're not able, that I'm not able to think of. And so I get quiet. I stop thinking so much. I've run out of, you know, genuine perspectives. And sometimes some it almost feels like an idea gets thrown into my mind, you know? It's like or or maybe ideas are waiting to be born or waiting for space. And for your ability to for our ability to open ourselves up to ideas that we don't know, perspectives we haven't um, thought of, but first mentally, first emotionally opening yourself up to really wanting to know what another perspective is. And oftentimes, um, I think, oftentimes I think, I think that that happens. I think that an idea is inspired, takes up space, um, and it's not something that you could have thought of i understand how crazy this sounds it's it does sound like a ridiculous riddle or something like that but anyway let me get away from that and say thank you for um listening thank you for tuning in i know it's been a while it's been quite some time and this is my attempt to do something different to get a different result i think we all still struggle with sedentariness or resulting back to your neutral and I know my neutral isn't podcasting. For me, this is a chance to not only express myself, which I do, but there is a work that is done to get good at a craft, a craft that has been with me for a very long time. And if I'm not careful, I kind of slip back into that um, into that less active state of being. And I'm really fighting against that. And these are real life attempts. These are real life uh, um, examples of 
the difficulties with keeping to something that you know is beneficial to you. Not even something. How about more than one thing, right? There's a time in your life where you're going to, what are you learning? A foreign language class. And you're not doing it for class. You're not doing it for school. You're doing it for yourself because you think that it's something that's going to improve and enhance um, your cognitive functions, um, the, the social um, aspects of your life. You know that it's a, a net positive when it comes to the work put in and what you get out. But there's still work to be put in. And sometimes you're like, yo, you know what? I'm really been diligent about going to that class, about studying, about practicing. Do I really need to also journal every single day? And I understand that perspective keenly because there are a couple of things that I've been doing really regularly that has brought productivity. But um, I guess it just needs to be more in the cart. Right. I need to be able to haul more and something like um, writing every day and even recording every day, even if it's just some of the things that I've written down that align with the podcast. I think it's really um, something difficult that I hope. We do I hope we all struggle with this? Kind of. The hater in me hopes we all struggle with this. I'm gonna be real with that. Um, God bless you and cheap kudos to you if you've been able to I don't know, find the cheat code or um really develop that routine, uh, which I guess they call discipline as well. And really sticking to it. Uh I guess routine does help discipline as well as discipline helping routine. And that's another thing that you're like, yeah, I need to be more disciplined about this in the third. But um, I've been reading a book and it's been taking me way too long to get through the book because I sit here and chew on ideas. But I never. I never record them. I never put them out there. I never speak them. And that's what I can improve upon most definitely. This is Small Chops Podcast. And this is exactly the. bite-sized pieces of temporal tempura will hope to provide. I don't mean to dive deep as I've done in um, my art of loving. I just looked at that book again today. I'm so, so happy with those results in that four part series. I can do those, but I think um, maybe they can be done at the end or at the beginning and then break things apart and say what I'm going to speak on. Maybe the, the beginning of the next book, I'll try that. That's a good idea. But the struggles, reading this book reminded me of those struggles and diving back into it and really setting up time to really apply this book to my life and the things that resonate with me so far. I acknowledge that one of the things that I've been struggling with when it comes to interpersonal, non-sexual relationships with the opposite sex is a struggle with, I don't know if it's uh, making someone comfortable. I don't know if it's tapping into a more uh, a more friendly version or friendly side of my personality, or if it's uh, you know kind of connecting and tapping into a boyishness because I think that's what you know funny is sometimes. And be tapping into a, I wouldn't call it an immaturity, but I would definitely call it a boyishness that um, we all can engender to make the opposite sex a little bit more comfortable. And sometimes I feel like that is a form of innocence that we maintain. You know, I don't think it's a puppet 
that we just kind of pull out and and have represent ourselves. I think it's more genuine than that. I think that when someone's really tapping into that innocence, there is a real connection that you can have um, with people, period. But I think with the opposite sex specifically, simply because of the size and power dynamics that exist. And I think recently that's really been shooting me in the foot. Um, I don't know if it's a result of my curiosity when it comes to our dynamics, what access and maybe what access um, to personalities was access to comfort, what access to someone's real life um, and the goings ons of someone's life uh, that affords me. I think that I can be, you know, somebody that people can really express themselves freely around to get comfortable with without being disrespectful to anyone and a connection that people really, you know, um, that that people really subscribe to. Uh, I think that that is something that I've really made a genuine effort to enjoy and it hasn't been difficult. Uh, Something in my life creates uh, that connection with others. But it it comes with, uh, it comes with a price. I won't get specific about it, but um, sometimes I think there can be an interpretation of being like a sucker, um, being someone that is, uh, that's, that's an easy mark, someone that won't be able to say no easily. And that may have come with time. That may have come with enough situations where I found myself really uncomfortable until I've developed that voice, until I've developed that uh, ability to be callous. I don't think it was always so. And people that you don't know for a long time start asking you for things slowly. They start asking for, you know, they just add up. And I wonder why. This isn't the first time I felt this. But this is a time where I think I can attribute it to just being genuinely open and attentive to a point where, I don't know, people that haven't, people start asking you for things. They'll either ask you for your time or they'll just ask for money. And um, I wonder what part of me gives the idea that that is available. It's hard to not be cynical about people's needs and people's situations when there have been opportunities to make money together, when there have been opportunities for symbiotic relationships, whether it's um, starting a business together or if it's something that I know that I need and I could support that person in you know paying them for this particular service on a weekly basis or something to that effect and it's it's happened enough times to where 
it feels like it doesn't feel good. It feels like an attempt to get over. And yeah, maybe I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, oh, excuse me, maybe I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt. Maybe um, I'm living off past experiences. Maybe I'm just approaching it from a negative aspect. What got me thinking about this is reading through Intimate Communion by David Data. Data, Data. He's written a couple of other books that I'm really excited about reading and reviewing on this platform. But the question that I wrote after I was reading, uh, I think a bit in chapter four, he says, this is a quote from the book, we, meaning women, may want a man full of presence to desire us and come forward in confident love. Or we may want a radiant woman to desire us and respond to us by trusting, opening, and inviting us deeper. The question I wrote was, uh, do you trust me? That feeling, that intuition, um, the feeling I get where someone's asking me to kind of like get over or someone's asking something to where it's so outlandish that maybe I'll want them to like me and so I'll provide them with, you know, maybe a more comfortable amount that I'm willing to give or something like that. And sometimes it's happened to where I'm, you know, happy to support, happy to help. And sometimes it really does feel like, nah, this we're, we we don't have that kind of rapport. Well, I don't have that kind of confidence in you. After reading that line, it took me to Aladdin, the Disney version. Ah, well, Aladdin's the Disney version, but the Disney cartoon version that came out in the 90s. And there, I don't know if Aladdin was like stalking her or whatever, or if he came to spy on her. I don't know. It was kind of weird. His uh, His contribution. Or you know, just how he like popped up on it or something like that. That was that was weird, you know, thinking of it with adult brain. But with kid brain, um he takes his magic carpet to her balcony and he's sitting there kind of embarrassed, and you see a boyish innocence in him. You see how he stumbles over his words, how he isn't a man of confidence. He doesn't seem to have direction. He doesn't seem to be passionate about um, wherever he wants them to go in the conversation or, you know, eventually he asks her on top of his carpet for a magic ride. Excuse me. On top of his magic carpet for a ride. And uh, at the particular moment, maybe he didn't really seem strong. Uh, I don't think he intentionally had a sense of humor. I think that she was laughing at him more than with him. But for some reason, she said yes when he asked her, do you trust me? I wonder what that is. What did she say yes to? Because the same thing when I'm dealing with intuition or when I'm, you know, I'm talking to people that may need help. There are people that I think not only can I help, but genuinely want to deepen the relationship by being vulnerable. And I think that there are other people who are looking for something 
and are selfishly going about it in a way that um, harms me, the person they're looking to enter in some kind of arrangement with. And I think back to, yes, of course, this is a Disney story, but the interpretation of that scene where he reaches out, his eyes are locked on hers, his hand is out, and it does seem like a confident love in one hand in that very particular moment, but all the moments leading up to that did not. Now, maybe she had seen him around But where did that confidence come from? From her. Where did her um, desire to take that risk? Because it was a risk. It was a big risk. Um, Where did that ability to trust whatever she saw come from? Part of me wants to say it's because he wasn't um, particularly put together in that moment. He didn't seem uh, scholastically intelligent, um, but yeah, he had he had qualities that were endearing, and I think I would argue were childlike, and that was a disarming quality. And so, how much do we desire the pres- preservation? Of that corner of a man's personality. That still holds on to that childishness. Is it something you grow out of as a man. And there just needs to be a little bit more direction. Do I need to intentionally invoke. um, Some kind of. What would you even call it? Some kind of of of, of mantra, a man, man, yeah, mantra, mantra, for the dissolution of that aspect, which arguably could be preventing me from quote unquote growing up. Where do we value that? Do we value that? Where is it most comfortably? Oh, excuse me. Where is it most um, developed? I guess is the that's the that's what I'm looking to say. Where is it where does it thrive? Do you trust me? That's a small bite for this week. Uh I, I look forward to producing again, contributing again. Maybe that is kind of what led to the sadness. What led to the kind of super narrow focus on what may not be happening in one's life at the moment. But this is an opportunity for me to get back on the horse, for me to start being um, more consistent with my production and not just consuming. I've been enjoying this book and I'm really looking forward to bringing you a several part series on my breakdown of it, but these ideas definitely been on my heart and I wanted to talk about um, and hopefully connect some part of your life for the life that or the lives of those you love could uh, resonate with. 
I look forward to seeing you next week. And um, happy holidays. Happy summertime. Days are starting to get shorter again. Looking forward to the uh, equinox, I guess, is the next one. Dope-ass full moon this past week, though. Talk soon, y'all.